0: Hi, and welcome to Song Divers, an interview podcast about singer songwriters.
1: We like to go deep in conversation with our favorite musicians in search of honest answers. What are the ingredients of a great song? What makes a songwriter tick? Can a musician make a living these days? Is Jason Isbell overrated? What? My name is Stefan. And this is Ed. And our guest this episode has the nerve and the talent to write a song on stage in front of a live audience. Hi, this is Kirk Adams.
2: Itching for answers, scratching for change. The things I believe in are causing me pain. Hold you forever, I won't ever leave Sacrifice anything to get you to see I'm queuing.
1: I like my songwriting with a healthy dash of doom and gloom, which always goes down nicely with chiming guitars and a catchy tune. Kirk Adams gives us all of that in spades. A longtime staple of the Tampa Bay music scene, Kirk is both a critic's darling and an audience favorite. His songs can be fun, thought-provoking, touching, creepy, sometimes all of those in the same song. Like some sci-fi P.I., Kirk trawls the sights and sounds of his fellow creatures of the night and shows us ourselves in an honest, compelling light. Wielding his trusty strat in his signature shades and pork pie hat, he's chasing nothing more than DIY therapy and to make a living doing what he was born to do. And as a result, his freaks have found him. Ladies and gentlemen, Kirk Adams.
0: Kirk, we usually start everybody with... Uh Tell us where you're from.
3: I was born in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Many moons ago, Holy Cross Hospital on Federal Highway. Did you grow up in Fort Lauderdale also? I grew up in Pompano Beach, Fort Lauderdale area adjacent, Deerfield Beach. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, South Florida.
0: And how long, uh, how long did you live there?
2: Oh, I lived there till I was about
3: 18, 19 and moved up to uh, Ocala for a little while.
0: Okay. And um, did you live with your mom, dad, family, big family, small family? Uh,
3: yeah. Well, I had uh, uh, four siblings and mom and dad, yeah.
0: And music in the household?
3: Yes. They were all musicians. Uh, uh, my second oldest brother was a guitar player and uh, my brother uh, below him was a bass player. My sister played keyboards at the time, piano as well.
1: You had a whole band.
3: Yeah, you did a drummer. They all played together in a band. And then my my very oldest brother, I should not mention, he was uh, – also a musician he enjoyed like more like the barbershop quartet than uh, operatic spectrum so I'm going to
0: assume their band was not called the Adams family?
3: No. <laughs> That's probably a reason we didn't play in a band together very often to, to avoid that. <laughs> just to avoid having to use that but of course name? I love the Adams family so what's the big deal, right? You know. Yeah. What's not the like What how about your parents? Were they
1: No. Nope. Musical?
3: Not really Some. not at all. They you know they came from North Carolina. They came from uh, uh, up in the you know mountains. Mm-hmm. originally and then Winston-Salem and um, so my mom knew some sort of folky tune stuff Doug would play guitar and she'd sing you know Little Rosewood Casket and mm-hmm. she'll be coming around the mountain when she comes and Little Rosewood boy, Casket like but like not really
1: that it, kind of lays the groundwork for the the whole feel of all your songs. That and he <laughs> says
0: they did some time through Salem too. Yeah. Well, there you go. I'm feeling a the theme. Yeah. See it all. There's a big thread. We're gonna find that thread today. That's interesting. The parents that weren't necessarily musical or, or playing instruments, and yet your whole siblingage, uh, you guys were all musical. Yeah, I blame Doug specifically because he's the one who
3: sort of you know decided to play the electric guitar. He's your oldest brother. He's the second oldest. Second actually. oldest. Okay. Yeah. And uh, you know had the long hair. And you think it's the just the climate
1: collection. of the day, like. The the Beatles, Elvis, whatever, like, had him hooked, kind of like. I think so. So, Yeah. Not just Beatles, but, you know. The same reason everybody we know is a guitar player. Yeah,
3: I think so. (laughs) You know, my my brother was a big fan of Rory Gallagher, uh, the Irish guitar player. A lot of other people, too. I always point to him because I feel like he he gets underrepresented, you know. You know, Rykooter and, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, all kinds of, of those kind of players. And not to mention just the regular rock and roll dudes, you know. So yeah, all that stuff was in the house, and all that stuff I listened to uh, subliminally to some degree. I was thinking about it today because uh, all songwriting conversations come around to the Beatles at some point, point. and I can remember listening to the Beatles a lot when I was little, but I didn't really. It wasn't like you were uh, listening to them. You know I mean, mm-hmm. they were sort of hap- it was sort of happening to you, you know. Mm-hmm. And then I remember like w- when I was older, and I started like really kind of starting to dig back into the tunes. It'd be like, oh wow, this is really cool. This is really
0: strangely interesting. Before it was just in the air like oxygen, you know. Well, it's an interesting point that you make because I was thinking about that too, reading kind of some of the, the forward before the show um, and some of the stuff that you mentioned about influences. And I think guys for different generations, your guys' generations, like that's probably true. For me, it was hearing other people playing that had been influenced by the Beatles. You know what I mean? It's so, like I yeah. knew about it I was listening to him, but it wasn't like – you know it wasn't this huge cataclysmic shock like some of those bands were when mm. they were really first hitting you know and you've talked to me about that before we talked about it on the show like what a thing that was you know and I, my generation generally doesn't get to experience didn't get to experience that sort of thing so we're we're being influenced by it through you guys you know
3: well yeah and just the, and not just us but just the 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 you know visceral impact that the beatles had on every artist you know still to this day there's something you can usually you find some sort of connection to Mm-hmm. So yeah, they did, they did. They did a lot of work. A lot of the work themselves. They did.
0: <laughs> so were you? Were you like hankering to play a, uh, an instrument at the time, or were you just being like, oh, my, all my siblings are doing it? I like music. Or were you being like really influenced by something? That no,
2: not really. I uh, <clears throat> it
3: was, you know, we were, they had music in the house. They played and rehearsed with their bands in the house and stuff. So I mean, I, there was always an instrument around. There was always maybe a little opportunity to play a little bit and stuff. But I wasn't really initially heading that direction. You know, mm-hmm. <clears throat> I was pretty young. You know. Uh, and uh, it wasn't until later that it just sort of started to happen and, you know, it became a, a viable way to make money, which was, you know, a surprise. Uh, and But really, I mean, I've always, you know, written songs and, and uh, uh, I started to get sort of a little bit more of my, I feel like, uh, a little bit more attention from my siblings when I began to write songs. They're like, oh, Kirk writes songs. Well, I mean, that's a Who's thing. Who's all that coming, you know? And so that became sort of a, a little bit of an identifying uh, uh, factor. At least that's the way it felt to me. They can tell me later if that's not the
0: case. Well, to say, oh, I've always written songs. I mean, that's, that's not a throwaway comment. I mean, so do you remember when you first sort of had that wellspring of wanting to write? And do you remember what you were writing about?
3: Oh yeah. I remember all those, you know, I remember all those songs, just the you know, bad ones in the, you know, I remember uh, one day in particular, um, I think it was Thanksgiving and everybody was around the video games and they were messing around the video games and I was a little brother and I wasn't getting the chance to play, you know? So I remember going off into the Bedroom and writing a uh, a song, you know, and then like later I'm like, yeah, I think I wrote a song. It's called Greedy Siblings. <laughs> it was actually it was a love song to Jane Wheedland from the Go Go's. Oh wow, yeah. The, would you like to hear a little bit of it? Yeah, <laughs> yeah we it. we would. Right actually, yeah. I love that. a pubescent it, yeah. pop tune. Yeah.
1: I'll, I'll try to just stay seated like this. Let's, Let's hear it. Oh yeah. Do you mention Jane Wedlin in the song or is it veiled? Jane. Yeah. Okay. It's this is a treat. Yeah.
3: That's pretty funny, You laugh because it's you know kids' song, you know. Yeah, it was kind of fun chord progression though. Probably a Cars song, maybe you know.
2: I don't know you, but I'd like to know Just what it is that makes you go, go, go (laughs) I saw you dancing in the video Your face so alive and your eyes aglow Jane, please let me explain I'll never be the same since I saw you Since I saw you Jane, please let me explain I'll never be the same Since I saw you Since I saw you
3: You know, (laughs) short arms. Yeah, pretty good actually. That's awesome. it's got the little beetle rip off.
0: Kirk usually will ask people about like the first song they wrote, you know. Like, well, oh, that's not you're... the first first song, but that's like a very early song. Even you know? an early one that they yeah. remember, you know. We're like, oh, you want to play that? And like, hell no. Are hell you no, kidding? I don't play. Yeah, like absolutely not. <laughs> that was great, man. I forgot how high I could sing when I was. Maybe zero.
1: Jane will hear that Twelve. and kind of like respond like, somehow.
2: Yeah, I don't think she would be interested
1: though. Mm-hmm. I just. Uh, read something about her. We'll ask recently. her when she comes on next week. Yeah, <laughs> yeah please do. Make sure I'm here. Yeah. You, know, you know, Buddy Kirk was here. Yeah, I recently read like, something about her. Is she here's Skylar, uh, and here's Kirk, just uh, spamming around. Is she a D'Angelico Guitars uh... artist? I think so. Really? really? She's on my list. That's a weird thing to know.
3: I'm in the check She's on my list. That's a weird thing to know. Well, we'll,
0: we'll tell you about it later.
3: Yeah, please do. So
0: <laughs> Make sure you play her that. Me, and Helen, like a badger. <laughs> so yeah, Kirk no. you're you're like early teen years writing that. It sounds like yeah, that's awesome. I wish I could write like that now, and I'm in my early thirties, so <laughs> that's awful nice
3: uh, it was uh it, it sort of that started me on the path of uh of being what was different about me, you know like what i what I be what, I, what I was gonna be you know, and of course, I went through a lot of life just you know uh, you know playing music for a living, but always writing and always trying to uh to get better at that and and uh focusing on songwriting and you know, like like I've mentioned before, it's you know a lot of therapy for me to write about stuff and get it out of your system. I, I know I read that all the time. I mean that's not like a new thing, you know, for songwriters. But
0: no, but everybody does it differently. Yeah, you know, and I it's- don't
3: really write to write a hit, which of course has always been probably a you know reason among the thousand reasons why I'm not
0: wealthy man.
1: Well, <laughs> were you a, a writer in general? Like, did you have a journal and and kind of jot things? I was to say you're being or?
0: cavalier about that, but I think that that's actually a big topic. You know, like yeah, writing to write a hit versus writing because it's something meaningful and authentic and real. And like, why? What makes a hit a hit? Right? Is it because the human brain hears the specific chords, or is it because they relate and they get what you're doing? You right.
3: know? Well, I think that there's a an industry that is in charge of trying to figure out how to write hits called the music industry <laughs> mm-hmm. there are algorithms yeah. for that yeah so. they actually are you know, trying to figure that out it's called the yeah. marijuana industry <laughs> <laughs> and uh yeah I don't know I mean I, I, there's no answer for that I mean everybody deserves a a living you, you know how you write songs things you want to write just to me it's never been anything that's interesting to me if you wrote something that it happened to be catchy and good it'd be like well there you go you got something but I mean anytime I've sat around and tried to write something you know catchy or good or, a, or a
0: hit or something is like it's just terrible, you know. It's just a terrible thing. Well, I don't you know? know if that's a fair representation too. I just, we should probably say too that, you know, we've seen you play a bunch and we're really familiar with your work and I wouldn't classify any of your stuff as not catchy, you know. Oh, that's Ma- nice. maybe maybe some of what you feel like is uh like unconventional lyrics or unconventional takes on things, which right. I could certainly get. Um but there's a lot of really catchy stuff that I'll be humming for days after, oh, that's you cool. know. Yeah. Um so I but I think that's important for people to note too cuz you're you're being you're being very casual about like oh I've always written songs and like but that's to write that early on, um, and then you mentioned too that it is a viable way to make a living. I'm curious too. Were you making a living playing original stuff out or were you covering stuff oh, when no. you first started? You know,
3: no, by and large, you know, the the, uh, the money coming in was from, you know, cover up bands and rock bands and, you know, all the different styles of music that, you know, went, went through the years. But uh but always writing, you know, in the background, always recording and trying to do stuff. But really I mean, it's been in the the more recent years that there's more opportunities for independent artists to get music out there and, uh, and, uh, you really don't have to write for the big leagues. I think as much as you just need to be authentic about what you write and you're going to find the people who like your music. I have a friend, Tom McWilliams, who, uh, did pretty good in the music industry. He, you know, worked out of the Miami sound machine and, and, uh, all the things that connected with that. And, uh, He has a blog where he talks about music, and he talks about finding your freaks, which I thought was just a beautiful way of putting it. He Mm -hmm. goes, you know, you just need to, like, be authentic to yourself, do what you do, and find the the freaks, people who are freaky about what you do, and that's the best way to be successful. And he's done well, you know, so I believe him. Well, (laughs) uh, the internet allows you to do that. Absolutely, which it was not.
0: That way in the, you know, even 20 years ago, really. no. But, right. it's, but it's funny how the pendulum swings, right? Because now you have access to all these people so they can hear you without you touring to them. But now there's so much stuff. It's like you can't hear anything, you know, and you can, but there's just so much noise to cut through.
3: Well, it seems like there always was. But I mean, I'm sure there's obviously there's more noise now, but there always was like you're waiting for the song to end for the next song to come on the radio. You know, the one you wanted to hear, you know, hopefully they'll play Bohemian Rhapsody after the next song, you know. Right. Well, you'd be waiting
0: a while for the next one if you don't like Bohemian Rhapsody. <laughs> yeah,
3: yeah. Well, it was worth the wait. I can tell you that. Mhm. I can remember hearing that and, and being pretty blown away.
1: Big Queen fan?
3: Uh, I I think that I find these things out once again as I get older. I I was a real fan of A Night at the Opera mm-hmm. album. Like I didn't buy every Queen album. I didn't really buy anything at that time. Anyway, I was you know I was listening to the hand-me-downs, as it were. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But uh, that album, I forgot how how well I remember it. I mean, I would know every song on it. I know the, you know, the track order. I mean, I must've liked it, you know, <laughs> but I would never like it. You know, when I was in high school said, Oh, I'm a Queen fan. Like it probably wouldn't come up in conversation, but, but I clearly love that album. I loved, um, uh, ELO's, uh, Eldorado. Mm-hmm. I just thought that was a great record. I remember mm-hmm. listening to it all the time. And once again, probably, uh, in my years, I wouldn't have said, Oh yeah, I'm a big ELO fan, you know? But when I think back about like records or things that, Call me or make me happy or things that I remember really enjoying. It's a weird little cross section. I loved um, Electric Warrior, T Rex. Oh my gosh, It's yeah. crazy about it. Mm-hmm. You know, I learned a lot about that in therapy because when I would go into my therapist, she'd be like, you know, what you know makes you relax? What do you enjoy? You know, like if you're going gonna go on a plane trip, what would you? And I'm thinking like, well. I think T. Rex is Electric <laughs> Warrior. Like that, I think you know you're like you're, you're trying to figure out like what would actually like you know, get you to a place you know, and, and mm-hmm. those early records uh, do that for me, and I'm, I know they do for everybody. It's a phenomenon when you play music for a living that everybody wants to hear the music that they listen to growing up, you know, even if they're 40, 50 years old.
0: And do you mm-hmm. think that's because it's just it's because the music is that good? It's the same power no, of a song. Or I honestly do
3: No, I think it's a, I think it's nostalgia. I think it's a connection, and uh, uh, primarily because I think people. If you, I i do not really mean to pick on music now, but people are gonna do it for music now too, you know. It's not there's anything wrong with music now. I am not like one of those guys who, you know, who's gonna do do on on modern trends or modern music. And there is such an opportunity for different styles of music and different places to find music, everything from, you know, Jason Isbell to contractually obligated to mention Jason <laughs> Isbell, by the way, at some point in the conversation. Sorry, or, Jason, uh, you know, or somebody on the R. Kelly spectrum or whatever. You mean like there's cool. a, There was a wide variety of music for everybody and there's a lot yeah. of good music going on. But there's a lot of cool independent music and I do and not even selfishly, but I do wish people would delve uh, more into the local scenes of music and be more supportive of, of local original artists because that's how you make a scene. That's how you make a cool community and a, you know, if you ever want to have another grunge scene again or Or some kind of a thing. It's got to come from you
0: going out and supporting local art. You know, that's a really interesting thing. We haven't got to talk about this much. Ed and I have talked about this some, but I'll talk about this with some of my friends once in a while. But as I've understood it, uh, you used to go to a venue because you knew the venue would have good music. You know? And the venue would pay well for that band to be there because you were a good band and you're performing and, like, that's what people are used to. Now, and I remember being in college and some of the shows of my buddies in bands that were just starting out. Like, you're basically paying the venue to play and there's nobody there unless you bring them You know, you yeah. become the micro as the band And like, that's, that's changed So I think there's a little bit of a responsibility Of a community to work together to help do that, right? Like, yes, you should seek it out But I also think that, where do you go to find it? You know, like, you have to know the venues And you have to start to trust your local venues That mm-hmm. I know that this place brings great bands Or I know this band really well And I can trust they're going to have a good band with them You know, which is part of why we're doing this You know, yeah. we want people to know about great acts in this area um, Nice segue but it's it's true, and and I, but I, that's something that we look at, and you know, we mentioned the hideaway a lot here, which mm-hmm. we'll definitely talk about with you especially. Uh, but that's one of the reasons we, the, the hideaway is so well thought of. Even by the national acts that come through and do this show with us, they mention the hideaway even if they haven't played it because they know about it. That's super nice, you know. Yeah. Um, but I think there's other ones too. Paper Crane's a newer one that mm-hmm. you know is, is starting to get a reputation that people are starting to know. You know Crowbar and Eber City, mm-hmm. um, and it's true venues all across the country, you know. Um, but I, but I think to your point about local music, and I'd love to hear you talk about this um there's a I think there 's a venue responsibility there too for people seeking out places to see music as well as those local acts yeah
3: well i mean i 'm sure like like everything it takes a a village right you know everybody 's gotta be pulling their their way and you know the people gotta go see music and musicians gotta be making music, and venues gotta be having music there, you know. And uh, another thing I like is uh, I know a lot of uh, the local bands have artists do their uh, flyers like local artists and mm-hmm. artwork and stuff like that and all that ties in you know to their merchandise and it helps to make a scene, for sure. Which I think everybody
0: wants to be in a scene, right? Yeah. So growing up, were you thinking about that? Were you like you you know yes, music's a viable way to make money. You're oh. starting to write songs. But were you thinking like I am going to be a songwriter? Like I know this.
3: Uh, were you thinking of? I hit a point where I you know where I knew I would always write songs i hit a I had a very small uh window of time where I was you know trying to like actually make it into the music business uh and uh I did everything pretty much wrong you know
0: <laughs> uh, like I, as as a song like as a songwriter yeah, songwriter
3: yeah in my opinion especially in retrospect you know and I was just younger and i was you know kind of a you know dick you know but i didn't I wasn't really listening to anybody you know. I was writing songs. Advice wise, you mean? Yeah, not really. I mean, in Mm -hmm. retrospect, more. Like, at the time, I wasn't sitting around being a dick or thinking, I'm Mm. such an awesome dick. (laughs) You know? It's more like when you look back, you kind of go, like, Why did did I not listen to anything anybody told me about how to do what I'm doing, you know? But I think I felt, you know, vindicated as uh, uh, the downside of being an artist. I kind of felt vindicated, like, Hey, man, this is my thing. This is how I write. And you're not changing a word. And no, you know, you can't add a verse. And no you can't take a verse away, or you know like you know, like there was just there was just no i wasn't helpful to the circumstance, and so you know eventually you realize also i'll tell you the other thing that really struck me is the people that I were around that did well uh I realized were doing well because they were working really hard <laughs> you know that's a great point yeah they weren't like you know uh not that they weren't talented, but like it, but like a, a big part of what was going on was that they got up every day. And said, "I'm going to work this much closer. I'm going to get this much closer to what I'm trying to do, whatever it is. You know, it's just like a self-help thing. It's like I want to do this. I'm heading that direction, and that's what I'm going to do. And really, I think in in all aspects of life, that's what's going to make you successful. And and it just wasn't my way.
0: Well, we, we talk about the ten thousand hours on here, right? You know, putting mm-hmm. in ten thousand hours makes you an expert. Makes you, you know, get to the place where know that. maybe you find your freaks. But maybe find your freaks, right? But They've got, you've, got to, you've got to have that song that's got staying power once you find them, right? And you've yeah. got to work really hard to find those freaks sometimes. Yeah.
3: Well, that's the, way, that's the way it seems to be, yeah. The work is definitely, if you want to be successful, I'm not a person to speak about success, uh, but if you want to be successful from what I've seen in life, it, yeah, definitely the, the working is the, is the mass of the, of the job. Well, how are you measuring
0: success in this situation? Because I'd say, you, I mean, you get to write songs, you get to play, you're playing what, daily? Well, I play as much as I want, pretty much. Yeah. In the nicest possible way.
1: You're in the trenches, though. Like, you're you're working every week. You're out there playing music. Yeah, I'm doing
3: three, four gigs a week for sure, you know. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm just really lucky that I get to do uh, as much original music as I get to do. I mean, if I was uh, a 15 year old kid and I went back in time and said, well, you're not going to be packing, you know, Shea Stadium or whatever it would be then, Uh, (laughs) you know. uh, uh, but, you know, you're going to be playing, a, a, you know, a couple of original gigs every, you know, every week. every I'm sorry, every month. And uh, getting to do your own music in a nice venue where, you, you know, people come to see you and your friends come and, you know, you have a nice, I'd be like, ah, sounds like a pretty good deal. I wouldn't be
0: upset about that, I don't think. T- totally. So we, we mentioned at the top of the episode, uh, Andrew Duhon was a huge, uh, like, inspiration on me. And he's one of my favorites. And he's been on the show. And we asked him, you know, what is... Like, what's your dream? You know, what's, what's what gets... Excited, he said. You know, honestly, playing for a couple weeks, you play 400 person venues, those sell out. He's like, that to me is the dream. You know, it's not the mega tours, it's not the stadiums. Yeah. It's a room of people that are there to hear your music. It's intimate, you know, and it's because you talk about like therapeutic aspect sure. of songwriting. There's a lot of vulnerability in there.
3: Absolutely, you know? and knowing what you want you know getting what you want is success right <laughs> sure <that's laughs> you it, want yes. to boil it down to it that's pretty much what it is yeah you know so you, you, as long as you know what you want and if you're getting what you want then i guess you're successful
1: well you've mentioned therapy more than yeah. once um and how writing is therapy to you yeah like what what place does that come from like you you have some demons you're trying to get out or just kind of Uh-oh. like uh, what a, drives you being human what I, drives you towards self-expression in the first place like Well,
3: I think that uh, what drives me towards self-expression is, uh, as we talked about, uh, starting young, you know, playing music and writing songs. uh, It became a way to uh, to resolve fantasy circumstances, Mm -hmm. sometimes to some degree, or to uh, uh, to have conversations with uh, people that you you wouldn't be able to have, and maybe you know uh, unearth you know feelings and. or or write about about circumstances that you would like, you know. Mm-hmm. Am I making any sense? Yeah. yeah,
1: you're exploring things that don't necessarily present themselves in an yeah. everyday circumstance. You're kind of like Yeah. exploring those Nether regions. Exploring the Nether regions. Yeah.
0: Well, in 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 some <laughs> cases, Undertown, too. if you will. <laughs> so when when we get to your songs and, and for anybody that hasn't heard your stuff, they'll hear it on this episode certainly. There's almost a narrator aspect to the way that you're you're almost commentating in some cases in in your lyrics at least the the way I'm perceiving some of them where you're you're the commentator on things that are going on versus talking in first person or speaking in first person you know and so I think to your point um, and Ed like you're saying this idea of exploring like you're taking a step back and you're commentating on this conversation that you would otherwise in first person have to maybe have in life
3: yeah well absolutely and I think also that's just the way of disguising yourself as the artist anyway. You know, or, or people write books the same way, you know, mm-hmm. and um, and so you take yourself out of it. But then, of course, that's not always as effective. If you want to write something that's emotionally connecting, you got to put yourself into the story, at least as a proxy for your listeners. You know, mm-hmm. so there's. I don't think you can really write any one way, you know, and 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 uh, and be happy with your product. I don't think you know. So you have to be able to 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 sing honestly, uh, as well as I think most of the songs that I've just recorded were. More uh, uh, metaphorical in their content, you know, and uh,
2: uh,
3: allegorical and vignettes within the song. But you have to be able to write something that's direct to an emotional, or, you know, you, you miss out on a whole other part of, of uh,
0: therapy and songwriting, mm-hmm. you know, in general. When, how much of that therapy is through songwriting is getting it out? And making sense of it or exploring it, like Ed was saying, versus there's the whole other aspect. Great, you've written a song, but now you're you have the audacity to perform it for people, right? Right. And how much of it is Ronnie Elliott talked Ronnie Elliott talked about connecting with people? Like it was a way for him to connect, you know. Mm-hmm. And so, is there a, is there a piece of that too, or is the performance just fun? You enjoy it?
3: No, I think that uh, that is uh, an aspect of being a musician and an artist that I haven't really been able to understand as well as I'd like to because I do love to perform for people but it's not my favorite thing uh and there's nothing like it well obviously as you're both musicians nothing like it when you play one of your songs and people are are not so much as applaud obviously but the fact that they remember it or they like it or they know it and Mm -hmm. they get it that is like you know a really really great feeling uh but uh I'm uncomfortable with that feeling (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like it makes me uncomfortable to, to put myself in a position like that, but it is it is nice. So I can't speak to that only because I'm still kind of I, I may al- always be learning how to be comfortable with performing my songs with people.
0: That's interesting. It's that's it's like a very deep compliment, right? So people that are maybe uncomfortable receiving compliments, and you're like, oh, you look really nice today. And you are like, oh, why? Not? You know. But and then you have something that's even more deep and connecting, like a song, for someone yeah. to come up and say. Wow, what you wrote was amazing. That was really something, and you're like, "Oh man."
3: <laughs> well, yeah, because in my opinion, if you're writing properly, then you are, even obliquely, you are uh, uh, showing yourself to people, you know. And you're definitely showing them, depending on what you write or how you write, uh, you know, parts of yourself or uh, aspects of your beliefs or things that it is nice when people, you know, can connect with that. Because you feel a little less, you know, like a goon or a crazy person. Or if, ostracized, you know,
0: alienated. Yeah.
3: Yeah. It's a, nice, it's a nice feeling. But, I mean, I never really uh, intended to, to do original music or do my own songs for, for that purpose. Uh, more it was always about recording and just the, the actual writing the song, the actual recording the music. But definitely playing things,
1: and, uh, you know,
3: for people has been really great.
1: When you do uh, – so you have three or four albums now of, mm-hmm. of material – and do you think each one is a kind of a reflection of that, the time that you're writing? Or, or you think in terms of a collection of songs? I
3: think it, usually it's one of those things where uh, it is in retrospect. I'm always thinking right. about grouping the right set of songs. And I'm always omitting something that I think doesn't fit with, with what's happening you know, mm-hmm. with, with, the, with the album. I don't always
0: have a, like a, like a theme in mind. But usually something presents <laughs> itself.
3: You for, know. For the,
0: are you thinking for the listener? Or for the way you want to present the songs and remember them having come out for it?
3: I really am just trying to. Um, in the case of making an actual album, I'm just trying to to make a piece of uh, a connected piece of work that uh, makes sense and uh, and uh, some kind of internal logic to it. Uh, and I think sometimes that just happens because the songs that you omit and the songs that you include, you start getting a, a theme. Just sort of happens naturally. You know, what what goes together.
1: I think it's interesting that you we were talking about. Um, your earliest album that I'm aware of is Little Elevator, mm-hmm. um, which I think is from 2005 or something. Is, it, is that so. about right? Yeah. And uh, you mentioned that it's kind of a downbeat album, but I'm kind of drawn to to stuff like that. And some of your, your favorite songs for me are on that album.
3: Yeah, I really like, like it, a, too. And it was funny because it was... Um, once again, sort of like in retrospect, I realized, wow, these are – I think other people's reviews. I, got, I remember reading somebody's review and they were like, you know, Kirk Adams' Dark Night of the Soul.
1: You know, I'm like, <laughs> really? And then you're like, well, I kind of get it, you know. I'm kind of drawn to that stuff anyway, like Pink Moon by Nick Drake. Oh, it's yeah, you can't beat it. Beautiful. albums, yeah. you know, and it's like he it was well, clinically depressed and kind of, you know, like barely, barely got that album into the microphone.
3: Yeah, I think there's something about uh, – obviously back to the therapy aspect of it. There's something that you're – I think if you're a, a, that kind of an artist that you're just drawn to do it. Mm-hmm. you know. And with that record too, something that I found to be interesting about it to me was I – one of the only conscious things that I tried to do with it was I tried to eliminate as many influences, <laughs> uh, obvious influences as I, as I could. And it comes out kind of a sparse, strange-sounding record where I just took whole parts
0: of the arrangements out. But are you I... saying
1: that you recorded them and then later decided yeah, like, to leave them mm, out? Nah. No. And you,
0: you mean in terms of production when you say removing influential type things that people well, might note, even even in the writing?
3: Well, I, 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 not only production but also songwriting uh, uh, y- y- tropes. There, mm-hmm. I use the term, you know. Mm-hmm. But like, I, like I would, some of the songs are like uh, just a couple of verses and. And that's just it. I was like, there's nothing, that's all that needs to be said in this case. I don't need to go to the relative minor for a middle eight. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? It's like, it's here. This is the what I have to say, and this is all I need to do with it, you know? And if I threw in some beatles less harmony, I'd be like, mm, I'm not going to do that. It's going to have to go because you're going to hear that and you're going to think Beatles. You know, like I was trying to kind of do the opposite uh, of of what I expected, people expected from me. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I was kind of. I I can call I call that deconstruction I don't know if that's The the correct artistic term But I was kind of Deconstructing the songs And the production And trying to make it Something that uh, uh, Was you know Ultimately Interesting for me To listen to And and something that I I thought was different
1: Mm -hmm. Would you play one A song off of that Album for us Sure What are you going To play for us
3: Well I think I'd like To play the song Lost Soul
2: Sit a while at the laundromat Wait a while at the corner store Car's in a line as far as you can see And I hope that I can find what I was looking for Sure, I guess I'd like to stay You see that everyone has got to choose If you want to walk this dying earth You gotta put on another pair of shoes Lost soul, you're not alone Lost soul Come home This could be a bad part of town They say it's different everywhere you go In the jungle they scowl at the city With its little houses packed all tight in a row there's a dog sleeping in the street. You better wake before the rush out comes. Maybe I'd be smarter not to shut my eyes and open them again, all tender and young. Lost soul, you're not alone. Lost soul, come home. I'm pretty sure that it's all been done The whole world's covered in yellow crime tape And there's never any shortage of a smoking gun Sure, I guess I'd like to stay To see that everyone has got to choose If you want to walk this dying earth You better put on another pair of shoes Lost soul, you're not alone Lost soul, come home Lost soul, you're not alone. Lost soul, come home.
1: Yeah, that's one of my favorites off that album and, and by you in general. Like, I appreciate like, that.
3: That song, uh, it's funny because they, the first attention it ever got was like on uh, a couple of Christian radio station, uh, like hmm. uh, internet stations, of course, obviously, mm-hmm. you, know, uh, you know, playing it. it's funny because it's about uh, reincarnation. Yeah. <laughs> <So> it's, <laughs> That's I why bo- I was like, wait. I didn't what? bother to correct anybody. I mean, <laughs> it, no big deal. You know? and, and you get comfort or you enjoy what you enjoy. But it was basically about the concept of... Uh, a spirit kind of deciding whether or not it wants to uh, reincarnate into the world or just pass on into whatever's next. Uh, if you want to walk this dying earth, you got to put on a new pair of shoes was sort of the implication of mm-hmm. you know of you got to come back and and be uh, uh, reincarnate back into the world in the jungle or in the city, you know the differences and uh, uh, the dog in the street is sort of exemplary of bad luck and the bad things that happen you uh-huh. know mm-hmm. with, that, with that album too i started a lot with lyrics and i tried to uh, uh work through some ideas and some and some things that i was thinking about uh philosophically and uh, and some of the stuff like the actual song little elevator is about you know being depressed and needing a little lift mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like mm-hmm. i need i need a lift out of this you know and at the time a lot of bad things were going on and in, uh, in the in the world i think this was post uh a 911 and all that stuff and so i definitely had a a very creepy look at the world it felt like there was sort of a weird divergent universe you know happened there mm-hmm. you know and a funny thing too the album ends with soldier on which is what i guess the most positive thing i could come up with <laughs> at the end of the record just soldier on one more day you know well
1: that's interesting because i think it is an example of reflecting what a lot of people were feeling like maybe that is kind of the most positive thing yeah. you can Coming out of an experience like that, what else are you going to say, Kirk? That's it. I mean, that's pretty much... That's,
3: that's, I think I went from the first song to the last
1: song there, so... Going but. back to um, Lost Soul, one of my favorite... It, it's interesting to hear you say now that that's about reincarnation, because mm-hmm. one of my favorite couplets from that is the, uh, the, the dog in the street, and mm-hmm. maybe the best thing... I, I'm going to paraphrase, because right. I don't know the exact words, but maybe I should close my eyes and open them again... Being tender and young, and yeah. young. Mm-hmm. Like I love that line. I when I heard it, I wasn't thinking of reincarnation, but I was thinking of kind of returning to a, a state right. of innocence and you know renewal. Well, nothing kind of makes like,
3: me happier than that because like I'm a real like stickler. Uh, I s- so love the double entendre in the nicest way. Not obviously. I don't mind, you know, a sexy double entendre either. But mm-hmm. I mean, more like if something has more than one meaning to it, that just really makes me happy. I right. can't tell you the joy I get from that. You know, I don't often seek it out, but if I catch a, a whiff, I definitely will, 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 will. You know, reel that in. I love that. Mm-hmm. I think once again, that just goes back to when you were young and you listened to. Uh, Something and you didn't know what it, what
0: it was about, and then you get you get the other meaning
1: but of it. You and you're get like, your oh, meaning. Yeah. You wow, kind of superimpose
3: two
2: things.
3: <laughs> you know, it's you know? funny
0: because I've, I've considered this about songwriters more recently, but I used to think about this back in high school. You'd be going in an English class. You're, you know, you're reading, uh, you know, Dickens, right? Mm-hmm. And the teacher's like, "What do you think he meant by that?" I'm like, "Why well, not? I mean, kind of said what he meant, right?" And then it's like, mm. "No, no, did he?" And you realize, like. This maniacal guy Is sitting here Going like Oh I'm gonna really Screw with people And put this in <laughs> right. the, You know No, no the it's
3: subtext just, is real Yeah The absolutely. subtext is real man
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So I, So are, are you Seeking the subtext In this case Or it's just Like you said It's nice when it happens naturally? Usually I don't I, do, I don't know if it's I'm not sure Like you'd
3: have to be A, a real s- sick bet. Certain kind of guy to, to be able to To seek it out But usually something uh, Presents itself And I definitely Have an eye out for it You know Uh and so that, you know, that's that's a really fun thing. I mean, that you know, that I just I have a personal fetish with. I just I love a double meaning. Well, I think something. you
1: really want to, as a writer and a performer, to invite people in to, to attach their own meaning. Absolutely. To you know, so there's an art to teasing that out. Yeah. So um, I
3: normally wouldn't explain things, but like for example, Lost Soul. Usually, when I explain it to people, they're sort of like, oh, that's actually sort of interesting. You know. I thought it was about a homeless guy. Like, <laughs> you know, it totally, it could, could totally be about a homeless guy. Yeah. You know, walking the streets, he's, you know, seeing the cars go by and the dog in the road and mm-hmm. kind of a lost soul. You know, it works on, on both levels and that just makes me super happy.
1: <laughs> and, and since it's a Kirk Adams song, I hope you take this as a compliment. I picture it as a nighttime scene. Oh, thanks. Because a lot of your stuff just, it's like denizens of the night, you know. I, don't, I may have even read that phrase on your website. Sounds like a cliche, yeah. But a lot of your stuff, I don't know if it's because you're you're kind of a nighttime uh, Night-ti- guy, nighttime troubadour. Yeah,
0: <laughs> I mean, but but I agree. There is a there is a spooky is not the right word, but almost like a noir. I take, I take noir, some. noir. I take spooky in a pinch. <laughs> yeah, no. But well, it's funny that it's in it because I I totally feel the same thing listening to a lot of your stuff. Um, you know, Lost Soul just played and um. Uh, What's the other one? My Eyes Are Getting Used to the Dark, which is one hopefully you'll do for us here in Mm -hmm. a second. But that's one that... It's almost got this... uh, Sorry, HBO. But True Blood feel to it. That's fine. You know, Mm -hmm. this very, like... Not swampy, but there's just a lot of soul in it. But it's dark. But at the same time... Not melancholic. Like, it's a nighttime scene. It's dark. But there's almost this, like... I don't know if optimism is the right word. But, like, you're enjoying... What you're giving commentary on, and it's not—it's <laughs> not negative. It's not—it's accurate. You know what I mean? It's like, accurate, yeah. Almost like a yeah, like a a Vincent Price, not you know, not as, but that's sort of where he's like he's commentating on what's happening, and it's it's spooky and it's noiric, but at the same time, he seems to be really enjoying himself, you know, and the audience is connecting. Yeah, the character, quote unquote, and that uh, song is definitely just embracing
3: you know the the nightlife and the and the, the darker aspects of of. Uh, the that you know, whatever you make make of that, what you will. But uh, it's kind of funny because I started writing that song with uh, uh, "I'm tired of thinking about the Halcyon days," which led me to think about what this. I do this all the time. What does the Halcyon mean exactly? <laughs> like, I was thinking maybe it was like some sort of a Greek god or something seemed you know like a good choice. But I ended up looking it up. And it turns out that it's more of like a phoenix bird sort of a thing, mm-hmm. and so then that led me to the next line you know that pretty bird has gone and left the nest you, right. know? And you know that can be a fun way when you're working with songs as you're learning you kind of you know you kind of it informs your lyrics as you get a little
0: bit more information about you know just the thing that pop into your head it's funny that that lyric sticks with me in that song i remember the first mm-hmm. time I hearing you play that live and like i noted it but i didn't come back to like, like what does that mean but it's, I think it speaks to, and this definitely happens to me, We I'll hear a songwriter say something and I'm like, I don't know if that's a real word, but I trust this person's <laughs> lyrics and I trust them as a songwriter. So like, cool, yeah, that's legit, uh, you know. Well, yeah, I mean, once again, being it's funny a, to hear you say, you're like, well, I didn't even really know what that meant. <laughs> it came out,
3: you know. Yeah, well, being like, a, a, well, I knew the term of like halcyon days, you know, the good sure, old days sure, and, sure, and sure, everything. Sure. So yeah, I, I knew kind of what I was getting at, but I, I had to know I had to know a little bit deeper. I mean, that's one of the greatest things about the internet. Everybody can pick on or all they want, but to have that infinite source of information is just the greatest thing to me. I love it. But, uh, and yeah. And so then just, you know, writing through that song, I was just sort of, uh, I had the title for a long time and I'm like, this is a good title. I don't want to screw this up with some crappy lyrics and stuff, you know, and there probably were a few attempts at, at writing something else. Uh, uh, and then as I was formulating this idea, I'm like, oh yeah, I got that. This is, this is going to go together. You know, Mm -hmm. I don't, I'm not like, the title
1: with the, the the concept led you back to, oh, this is that title. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Which doesn't happen all the time. But that's why it's nice to hang on to some good titles.
1: That leads to our our next question, which we always ask. Mm -hmm. Um, Early episodes, we just asked, are you music first or lyric first? Right. But we started asking now, are you music first, lyric first, or title first? Because so many people do start with a title. Mm -hmm. We we got
0: tired Uh, of being corrected.
3: (laughs) (laughs) A lot of people start with titles. Yeah, Yeah.
1: which kind of surprised us. Um, Mm -hmm.
3: It's a latter-day development for me, too. I think Uh, because it used to be I I would like uh, like the song Jane, you know, it was just a matter of sitting with a guitar. and Just everything kind of happened all at once, you know, with an idea. But I find that for me, uh, historically speaking, lyrics were always the struggle. Mm -hmm. And so these days I would go so far as to say that even though I do write from uh, titles sometimes, as I've just proven, uh, but I often write from lyrics. Okay. These days, I start with with like a feeling and an idea mm-hmm. of where I'm at, and I start writing, and then usually uh, a, a title will present itself. In this particular case, I had a title sitting around, mm-hmm. but I didn't actually write it to that title either. To to be fair, you know.
1: Do you keep a list of titles? Like, sure, you'd think, oh, that's yeah. that would make a good title. Yeah, yeah,
3: you know. I mean, like people make that joke about you're out in a bar talking, and you laugh about something. Oh, that'll make a great song title. It's Like, I'll put that away. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you're not it, about
1: it's, stealing that. If you're having a conversation with somebody in a bar, yeah, you're like, that's terrible. Well, <laughs> no one would no know? like that. Yeah. But like, you know, that's I mean,
3: yeah. uh, that's just an example. But I mean, the same thing can happen just driving down the street, and you see a you know a guy walking under a bridge, and you're hit by like something. You know, what I mean that 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 can hit you as, as a title, and you put that stuff away. I mean, that's that's just the craft of songwriting, which is you know. Everybody approaches a different way. Stan Ridgeway, is that his name? Mm-hmm. From, uh, um, from Wall of Voodoo. Wall of Voodoo, yeah. I think he uh, uh, said in an interview that he's one of the guys, I can't remember what the, what the, the art uh, uh, is, but he would you know, take just words he liked and put them in a mm-hmm. crown royal bag. Cut them up. Yeah, and just draw them out and, yeah. you know, oh, Mexican radio, I've got a song,
1: you know? Yeah, I think that's from the surrealist movement. Well, yeah, one so of, of, of those guys, Andre Breton, or somebody yeah. like, would do that automatic writing. They would call. Like nice to have a smart guy yeah. around. It's, it is. That's why he's here. Yeah, <laughs> it's
0: <laughs> it's right here. Yep. I needed to bring the IQ up over uh, <laughs> over double digits. Well, that's what
3: I was getting at though is that there's a lot of ways to the craft of, of writing songs and the way you get to it. I mean, there's there's so many ways to do it. Stevie Nicks writes from dreams, you know, right. literally, you know, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, I dreamed this
0: song or she says it. Anyway, Pretty on the nose, yeah. I would believe her. Well, it's you know Amanda Shires. Not to go back to Jason Isbell, but I heard an interview with her, uh, Chris Shiflet's podcast, Walking the Floor, and she talked about writing her most recent record. And literally, um, uh, she would cut the lyrics up and tape them, tape them around the house, and then she like said she even moved into their closet for a while just to like isolate herself while she was writing. So it was like, oh my gosh, that's nuts, That's fantastic, and, you know. And but yes, yeah, super yeah. super unique, and and people write um, so differently. Yeah, I- I'm curious too about when you're comparing your now your music to these lyrics are you somebody that's writing music to the feel of the song or are you somebody that can have like noiric lyrics but it's a really upbeat tune well
3: i mean that can always happen but i think it has to do with just yeah where you where your feeling is there's a, a handful of times where i may have, have like tried different chord progressions for, for a set of lyrics but you know uh, usually it, it kind of comes along afterwards because i can't help but and you guys are both songwriters, so I know you already think the same thing. But it's pretty hard to be sitting and writing lyrics and not some sort of melody yeah. or something going through your head. There's usually a little something,
0: right? It's, a, it's like a, somebody writing a script and not yeah. already having an actor in mind. You yeah, know? yeah, I, I hear you on that for sure. Yeah,
3: and I compare it to uh, to uh, you know going into the uh, underworld and pulling out the you know it's like a, just a little ghosty mm-hmm. of an idea, you know, and then you have to go down and make it solid and. And find the little bits of pieces and the craft is not a lot of fun for people and I've let a lot of the craft go to some degree like I said earlier like if I feel a song is is done
2: mm-hmm.
3: uh, then I don't really see any reason to if I'm making the point and the atmosphere is there and, it, and it's not a minute and a half long then you know you feel like I've, there's enough of a song here I don't really need to belabor
0: the point I've said what I have to say right because too often you yeah. overdo something as an artist yeah. because you're so self-critical and you know it, yeah. was, it was good as was right
3: I think so, and I think yeah. that sometimes it takes away from it. I think it does, even in in uh, in, in like successful artists. You know, Can I pick on successful artists. I mean,
0: I hate sure you, absolutely
3: but like
1: name names. <laughs> look, you're smiling. You're like, <laughs> yeah. wow, this is great. Uh,
0: it's one of Ed's favorite
1: passes. Name
3: well, names. It's, not, it's not a popular thing, but if you know, but I'm like, for example, you talk about you guys have your Jason Isbell you know, things. <laughs> um, I'm like just not, I've never really. You had been to a, go
1: there. I didn't want you to go there. Oh, like, of course. But we've gone.
3: I uh, I'm not a big Billy Joel fan. Mm-hmm. You know, huh. and I know the Billy Joel. I know when I hear the songs that is a good song. Everything about it's good. You know, it goes to all the right places. It's got a full set of lyrics, maybe six verses. You know, mm-hmm. but to me, like it's it's kind of it's like you. You know, you did it all the first half of this song. It doesn't need to be, you know, you don't need to do another verse where you're saying the same thing just in a slightly different way mm-hmm. than you already did halfway through the song, just as an example. I hate to pick on Billy Joel, but he no, doesn't give two craps what I think, so I guess I can do
0: that. <laughs> Billy, okay. if you're listening.
3: But I think he's a good example to me of, like, somebody who I think they overwork it, and you're like, you just, you, you know, you didn't need to do all that, you know?
0: Yeah, I, I, I don't know about Billy Joel specifically for me, but I can think of songwriters certainly yeah. where I've thought that too. Yeah. And then I've thought of other ones where I'm like, "You missed a verse."
3: <laughs> you yeah, know, sure. The opposite's true. Yeah. Like, how'd the story end? I don't understand. Well, there's Why no doubt. That's the case. <laughs> yeah, there's no doubt that's the case. And I'm I'm not gonna pat myself on the back and say that I ended every song where it needed to be ended. But uh, but I just think it's something that I
0: try to pay attention to as far as you
3: know. So I, I like to kind of make my point and get in and get out as best I can.
0: Well, before we get too far away from it, let's do uh, Miser getting used to the dark because it's what's one I really dig. I'd like to point out one other word to watch for in this song, please.
3: Uh, Snickle, in, the, in the third verse, verse. S- uh, a snickleway.
1: Snickleway. Yeah, that's, that's an invented word. Right? No, no,
3: no. Okay. It's a snickleway is a um, a little narrow alleyway, uh, specifically in Yorkshire, England. They call them snickleways.
1: Awesome. Interesting.
3: And so, you know, when I was writing this this story and I was thinking about the uh, the alleyways and stuff, I was like, oh, that's snickelway. snickleway. Let's stick that in there. So, now-
1: how did you stumble? Of- across that word
3: oh well like a, i'd been to york
1: <laughs> yeah okay yeah, I've been you went New- with gail right yeah well let's talk a little bit about gail and okay. and how you ended up in uh in england and scotland and
3: uh, okay uh yeah. well uh you know a few years back we uh, decided to move over to scotland for a little while gail's scottish and mm-hmm. uh we were over there for about six months and uh got to play all over town met a lot of uh, really cool people we played in edinburgh and uh St. Andrews, and we did a little Highland tour, and went back and forth for a while to Scotland. You know, we got some roots there of sorts. Should we I guess, say we should introduce who? Yeah, Gail, is.
1: Gail Tripsmith, Smith, right? Uh, yeah, she's a talented musician. Yeah,
3: she's a great songwriter, and uh, and uh, maybe you guys a lovely meet her lass. Soon. Yeah, I'll put it in a good word for, for you guys. For. We'd appreciate that.
1: <laughs> so, Snickle Way just kind of found its way into your consciousness while you were over there? Yeah.
3: <laughs> yeah, yeah, because you, you run across a word like that, you know, once again, it's like a, like a song title or some other. You run across a word like
1: that, you're like, oh, yeah, you know. Might That's not, a great word. Might not literally go into the notebook, yeah. but it's. it's well, it's just a great word. You yeah. like to know nice words, you know. If you hadn't already used it, I would totally write a song just around that word.
2: So, <laughs> snickleway. If I had
0: it, if I'd heard it out of context and someone's like, snickleway. Like, what? And then someone said, oh, it's British. And I'd say, I'd assume it was some type of profanity. Of course it is. <laughs> it's, yeah. It's some type of profanity.
3: like <laughs> Some sort of profanity. Yeah. Well,
0: Drog- I don't know. Derogatory.
3: I don't know if if I was as sharp as I might be making myself sound but I I can see that having it in that particular line with the other definitions of an alleyway and a mm-hmm. you know back streets a alley pe- a person would be able to uh, mm-hmm.
1: ascertain if you will That's exactly what I th- it yeah. painted that picture for me mm-hmm. there you Let's go. let's hear that one yeah.
2: I'm done thinking about the halcyon days That pretty bird has gone and left the nest I'm leaving town with the upside downer I'll build a hideout in the black earth's breast And my eyes are getting used to the dark My eyes are getting used to the dark i'll drain my cup until the sun comes up my eyes are getting used to the dark i'm not sitting down with the front row centers i've lost faith in foolish sunbeaming i call a spade a spade whenever it hits me shovel the dirt In my face as I lay dreaming My eyes are getting used to the dark My eyes are getting used to the dark I'll drain my cup until the sun comes up My eyes are getting used to the dark Tumble down the snickle ways, streets and back alleys. Playing possum with a banjo on my knee. Don't try to drown me in a daytime drama. Don't send your dagger dogs digging after me. My eyes are getting used to the dark. My eyes are getting used to the dark. I'll drain my cup until the sun comes up My eyes are getting used to the dark My eyes are getting used to the dark My eyes are getting used to the dark I'll drain my cup until the sun comes up My eyes are getting used to the dark.
0: And now, a quick interlude about one of the companies supporting this podcast. Ed, I think we can both agree that the best tasting songs are those that happen naturally.
1: That's true. Wait, you can't really taste a song, though. That part's not...
0: That's also true of the food we choose to consume, which is why our favorite new artist on the healthy protein charts is ButcherBox. 100% grass-fed beef delivered on dry ice to your door anywhere in the lower 48.
1: So, does that make Alaska like the upper... Just open the box.
0: If you're into more genres than just beef, ButcherBox has you covered. They also deliver Alaskan wild sockeye salmon, free-range organic chicken...
1: Wow, there's got to be like 11 pounds of meat in here.
0: Heritage breed pork and special bacon.
1: Special bacon?
0: Special because it's free. Use code SONGDIVERS at checkout to get $20 off and free bacon in your first Butcher Box.
1: And shipping's free too. Special bacon and special shipping. That's special.
0: Now, can you grill as well as you can play guitar? Visit ButcherBox.com to order. Yeah, it that, that definitely has that true blood feel like I was saying before. I think uh-huh. it's a great compliment. I love that song, so
3: you know, what are the true? I guess what the True Blood theme.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, it's I get a, a uh, like I don't know. a Chris Isaac
0: almost. Too. Yeah. yeah. Well,
1: yeah. I don't know if you would cite him as an influence or not, but I get a Tom Waits vibe from a lot of your songs that are like that. That kind of Why, I appreciate dark, it. dark underbelly, like.
3: Yeah, um, I'm, a, I'm a huge fan of, of his, but I think I, like a lot of artists, I kind of came to him sideways uh, via uh, other artists. You know, like uh, yeah, I think like Elvis, the Eagles.
1: I <laughs>
0: Elton John.
3: Yeah. Well, I mean, I think Elvis Costello borrowed a little bit for a period of time there. I think you
0: know prior to uh, that was
1: the other thing I was going to mention yeah. that Blood and Chocolate era. Like yeah. it felt like. Oh, thanks. Yeah.
0: I I hear Costello too. I certainly hear that. Um, there's a little bit of a Warren Zevon feel to some of your stuff yeah. to me yeah. also. He's making me a happy man. Oh, he's he's incredible. <laughs> so, was incredible yeah, yeah. is incredible. Uh, but but just he had such a unique way of. Of perceiving and relaying things, I think, lyrically that were very matter-of-fact, but also very descriptive and um, uh, a lot of imagery, too. But just, yeah. like, really thought-provoking, you know? And I, I hear a lot of that.
3: Well, I like Warren Zevon a lot, and I think that uh, a, a thing that, that I would bring up about songwriting again in relation to uh, uh, maybe the, the song I displayed and Warren Zevon and Elvis Costello and Tom Waits is their use of specifics, In their songs. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? It's not like there there are specific images, there's like hard uh, objects or names or things that make them like a very, it makes it a very real experience to listen to Mm
2: -hmm.
3: uh, as opposed to maybe what you typically find in in popular music these days uh, where it's more of like just a, a general. A uh, uh, diary reading of you know mm-hmm. something that happened to somebody you know sure it, the, having those specifics i think just make you know make things fantastic i, I love uh, uh actually once again i, I think warren Zevon i came to even past those other guys you know like the, all that's connected they're mm-hmm. all connected in a way right but uh i remember the first time i heard uh tom waits is a fun story for me uh I was working in uh, Orlando and had an hour, a two-hour drive back to Ocala with my brother Doug. We were playing in a band together, and he turned me on to uh, Frank's Wild Years in the in the car. It was raining terrible, and it was a two-hour ride. And I think we must have listened to it twice with just our jaws open, you know, (laughs) like in, in the ride, you know. And we get to the house, and I'm like, that's just the craziest thing I'd ever heard up to that point. Yeah. Though I recognized then where other people were maybe getting some of their sounds and some of the things they were doing. I'm like, mm. oh, okay. So, okay, this is making sense. <laughs> I'm connected to the dots. But nonetheless, on a visceral level, I was, I was pretty moved and like, I'm doing everything wrong. You know? <laughs> uh, and then I get out of the car, and he drives off, and I don't have my keys. And it's raining, pouring rain. <laughs> and all I'm hearing is...
1: It's is the Tom Waits curse. in my head, you You're know. in a Tom Waits song.
3: Yeah, it just became in a Tom Waits song. Mm-hmm. But uh, that night always stuck with me because, of course, obviously, I really love that record. That one has sort of a, a loose theme of a, of a guy going to New York City, kind of a loner, loser sort of guy.
2: I'm nice. going straight right. to the top. Yeah.
3: And, uh, but it's just a great such of song. And one of the other things I would like to mention about all those artists, and that I would say I would like to think that I... Uh, I bring on, and I think also goes back to your point about uh, True Blood is what it's really important to me about songwriting and and, and uh, recording, especially too, and production is just an atmosphere. Yes, mm-hmm. you know, songs got to have ghosts in it somewhere. Yes, you know, and so I definitely do strive and and uh, to to you know to make sure that you know I do what I can to lure them in, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. to the magic circle. What well, there's,
1: I- Yeah, there's a couple interesting things that you just talked about them, one of them is, has to do with lyrical content mm-hmm. and then the other one is, is the atmosphere but to go back mm-hmm. to the lyrical sure. content you, when I'm hearing you talk about concrete um, you know examples in the, in the writing it makes me think of what when people describe a literate songwriter uh-huh. you know you, you have to paint a scene are you a big reader like do you do any other kinds of writing or like I do a
3: little, little bit I would yeah. never you know
1: you know give myself credit
3: for being any kind of an actual writer but i've written some you know some prose and but did you you like to do a lot of
1: reading like uh i I hear science fiction like references in your writing all the time too like it's (laughs) well and i'm curious if you're not a big reader to ed's point what's your where's your tool belt coming from is it from
0: other songwriters like what are you listening to now
3: well i'm not a i'm not a small reader i used to read a lot more uh you know back in the day so i probably did a lot of my uh Forming my vocabulary uh, at that time, a lot of dictionary and encyclopedia reading well, just yeah, just in our reading <laughs> dictionary but like uh, uh, conversations with with intelligent human beings can never be uh, under appreciated i mean that's okay. that's a great thing. well, mm-hmm. let us apologize, in but I will say that i have l- learned a lot of uh, of things about uh, uh, the world from music. Mm-hmm. I mean it's kind of a sideways conversation, but I mean like i Oh, you know, when I was over in Britain, like I knew so many terms and so many things from just listening to, you know, squeeze albums, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> like mm-hmm. all these little turns of phrases because they're not shy in using you know their local slang and their local things. And once again, mm-hmm. that makes it just so much more interesting and important and good than if it's just a big generic, you know, bunch of words that, you know, are probably a love song.
0: You know? Right. And that's so interesting <laughs> about music, too, for what you're saying about atmosphere. There's the lyrics and there's the atmosphere. So let's just call it music for the, you know the sake of this but you have the musically interesting stuff you know and if you're a even even remotely educated listener you're a musician you're around music you dive in you play like there's you look forward to albums that like surprise you musically absolutely and then there's the lyrics it could be a super simple song and somebody says something you're just like you're you're almost like (laughs) wow that was cool you know Mm -hmm. and it just catches you um and it's so interesting to hear you talk about how like sometimes that's just because it's a dialect or it's the way of speaking that you're just not used to hearing,
3: right? Well, you know, I went through a period of reading a lot of poetry and things, and there are people that I liked, you know, that I definitely felt mm-hmm. were uh, helped to inform writing. I think that uh, you know, if you look at like uh, Poe and, and H.P. Lovecraft, like their use of words were very specific to to create an atmosphere and create a mood, you know. And you can start seeing that in stuff that wasn't quite so cartoonish as maybe you know a horror, you know. But you can see that in other writing and in other ways, and even just gentle uh implications of your coffee getting cold on a table you uh-huh. know gives you a, puts you in a position and you understand what's going on mm-hmm. somehow even though that's just a little you know thing that's mm-hmm. happening right. so i think that's very important if you want to make something atmospheric and make people be drawn into it like like a story even if it's not a story i don't really consider myself a story songwriter because i find that's a little too Here's how the story goes. And then you're like, well, I can't read into it as much as I'd like to. I'd mm-hmm. like to just for there to be enough pictures, enough shadows on the wall for mm-hmm. you to be able to go. I think I know what this means. At least I think I know what it means to me. That's you very
0: know? lyrical in itself. I like that. Shadows on the wall. I, I think it's important talking about atmosphere too to, to let people know if they aren't familiar with their stuff. And I hope that they will go become familiar with their stuff. If they go see you, what you're doing here, which is very Tom, tom-, tom- Waits, as we just talked about. But your live show is all over the board in terms of things that I'm getting. Like, I mean, there's a song that'll be almost hear the police. There's a very it, you're a really tasty player. You play a strat. You favor strat on stage, which sounds really good. You've got it super dialed in, and you're one of those players that like it. Just looks like you're just barely touching the strings while you're playing. You're not jamming it, and it's just there's a, a comfort uh, and a, a, a very smooth nature of the way you play. It's almost uh, Knopfler esque, very oh, Mark Knopfler esque, and Thanks. I hear a lot of that through a lot of the stuff, but. I think it's important for people to know that, that the atmosphere you're hearing here, which is great, um, is very different in your live setting. Like a lot of the stuff still permeates. You know, there is still that spooky nature, some Poeian feelings in some of the stuff that is meant to be. Um, But the atmosphere created in a live show, there's a lot more going on. And and the uh, dynamics and the types of musical um, influences, are, are. there's a lot more going on. So I think it's, if you get a chance to come see Kirk, definitely go do that. And and you're you're a resident at the Hideaway, too, yeah. which I think is really important to definitely note. If you're coming through St. Pete, Tampa area, and you get a chance to get to the Hideaway, try and do it on a night that Kirk's playing. You will not regret that.
1: I kind of want to take that a little further, too, because your your live show is fun, you know, even with the subject matter of a, <laughs> of a lot of your songs being sort of dark, mm. uh, Um I think it's interesting to note that uh, your latest... Is Night, Night Owls... Is yeah. that your latest release? It is, yeah. And it, so a lot of those songs, I think they just grew out of your live performance, right? As opposed to um, sitting down and what people think of as a songwriter sitting alone with a guitar kind of crafting songs. Didn't Correct. a lot of that album kind of... The genesis of that album was on stage with, with your guys. That so
3: is like, accurate, yeah. All, every song on there, uh, with the exception of one... Uh, was totally uh you know just pretty much ad-libbed initially on stage and then uh you know i kind of touched some things up you're know, down the road
1: you right know? right but um but it was just out of the spontaneity of being on stage with your some of your favorite players that you're you know yeah
3: well with good you know, players that could follow whatever i wanted to do you mm-hmm. know which makes a big difference and also uh it was just fun and then I just didn't really expect necessarily for the, to ever do the songs or for anybody to even like them or care about them. I was just having a good old time. Right. And then you start getting requests for it and you're like, "Oh, well, I guess I better <laughs> I better tighten this up, you know, yeah. a little bit, you know." Yeah.
1: Like I can totally hear a Mexican wrestler just being a total joke, but then people were like, "Yeah, play that's that a, one. exactly what
3: happened. <laughs> that's a you know? great tune." You know. Uh there's one of the songs on there that I find to be interesting. Once again, a lot of times I find these things to be interesting in, in retrospect. I guess I'm not that observant of what I'm doing when I'm doing it. But um, I can play a little bit of it for you. Yeah, and then I'm going to, quiz, see you. I'm going to yeah. quiz you a little bit after. No, do it, man. I'm just going to play like a you know, version of chorus kind of a thing. <clears throat> and this was pretty much written you know, on stage.
2: You could hurt me, and it would be bad. I should run away But I can Cause I'm drawn to you It's hard to explain I don't really want to be
1: But I'm drawn
2: to you Yeah, I'm drawn Stop thinking. I can't sleep. I'm scared to death that you're gonna change things. Cause I'm drawn to you, and you're drawn to me. You've got to be strong now. Cause I'm drawn to you. Yeah, I'm drawn to you.
1: I'm so glad you went there. <laughs>
3: Cuz I love that song. Well, the one of the funny things about that song that I didn't notice until after the fact uh was uh did you notice anything you sh- strange or not quite usual as far as the song
0: goes yeah you were not rhyming certain lines it doesn't rhyme yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> which I just but thought but it was did like, not work yeah but and I, I just it, yes yeah it worked <laughs> I remember just like I didn't really think about it because
3: obviously I was just addling to on stage at the time I was just pouring my heart out you know and uh and then you're like you you know you go back, come like, Maybe I'll clean it up a little bit, see what I can get. And I'm like, that's eh, all there. You know, it
0: doesn't need to rhyme. But see, uh, I wondered if it was intentional because the lyric you're talking about, like, I'm worried that you're going to change things. Right. So you change what you're like the audience is expecting you to do. No, I'm not that. I'm not thinking that far ahead. I was, but, I, but I yeah, I kind of took for granted that was an intentional yeah. thing. That it's like I'm going to throw. I'm you glad off.
3: you caught that though, because I you know I I was just surprised by that myself, and I'm like that's. I guess when you want to talk about songwriting, because this is you know we're talking about songwriting sort of. I think it's just an example, not that it's the greatest song in the world, but it's an example this is that a
0: show about tennis. <laughs>
1: no, <laughs> and, and it is the greatest song in the world. So. It's just an yes. example that you, yes.
3: that once again you don't have to follow certain uh, you know things that people think you know like like a song should rhyme. Sure. You know, by and large, a song should rhyme, but it does. You, you can see that it doesn't have to, and sometimes it can be maybe more impactful because it doesn't have a sing songiness to it. And hopefully it may be more penetrating emotionally because it's not like, you know, you don't have to do love and dove
0: and, you know, shove shove the glove. You don't want to break the illusion, yeah. but enough to shake you from the lethargy of what the first verse and a half did, right? Yeah. Well, if you've ever written a love letter to anybody, it
3: better not rhyme. (laughs) you know what i mean that's
0: that's actually a really interesting
3: point because that's you know any lover is going to see through that as a as a fabrication as a attempt to uh you know make you feel emotional in a certain way but if you're if you could be direct with lyrics uh or with with your love letters you know you're gonna have a a better chance of, of getting your point across you know i think
0: I want you to
3: I mean that's pretty direct. <laughs> that's good. Well you hey, mean if you're Robin Zander, I think everything's gonna work out just fine. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think he knows what he's doing.
0: That's that's that tune there too, especially to hear you're writing that live, like I just hear like a like an addict coming to terms. Yeah, but like you know, with a person. Nice. That's not what it's about at all, No? But no, but that's fine. That's that's why it's
3: nice to have the double.
0: But when uh, I say yeah. addict, coming to terms like, in ter- not a drug, but a person being a drug for
1: you, almost.
3: Oh yeah, I get that. I, it can go in both, in both, uh, both ways. Once again, I love that. You know, the, you could interpret it a in different way. So right wait,
1: there. wait, that song's not about heroin. That
3: song's <laughs> <It's> not specifically <laughs> about heroin. <laughs> what is it? What is this? It's, it's the. Twenty tens, man. We're talking about Adderall, right? That's what that's, 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 who does heroin? I guess they still do, don't they? Oh, well. Them with their heroin addictions, those lurking in the darkness. Takers.
0: The <laughs> yeah. careful with the heroin business here. <laughs> um Kirk, can you talk a little bit about and we we've talked a little bit in larger scope about finding you know being a musician to be a viable way to make a living. And how does how does a guy who's playing a bunch of covers and you can give as details you want or just kind of give a little bit of the story of i mentioned your resident the Hideaway, a really well-respected venue here um not in fort lauderdale so you you made your way up you you landed in st petersburg tampa Mm -hmm. area and how do you end up being a guy that's doing all original stuff um, as a as a resident performer at a really great venue that's well respected here
3: I mean, I can only speak from, you know, direct experience, so I don't know if, what's repeatable, but I, I think that you, uh, when I moved up to town, you know, I got to meet people and sat in and played music with, with the other uh, good artists in town, and I was lucky enough to be able to be invited to play with them on a regular basis. You know, you kind of get your uh, your name known a little bit, and when you have a, a cool venue like the Hideaway or a place that does original music, you bring yourself down there and you, you, you show them what you got. I know they have an open mic night on Thursdays, I'm pretty sure, at that... Uh, you know, so if you're wanting to play original music, you gotta go out and play original music. You know, so you have you, the proverbial tap on the shoulder. Well, and if you, uh, you know, if you if you have gigs in a regular club somewhere, uh, you know, just throw in some tunes, you know, or make them up on the stage <laughs> if you need to. But like, you know, yeah, you know, get your songs out there. Always play your music. If you're a songwriter, just don't not play your music. You know, it's just it's just not right. You know, get out there and, and play it for people. And and uh, and let them find what you've got, and that maybe they'll be maybe they'll be one of your freaks. They'll like what you're doing. Yeah. You know?
0: And yeah. I don't want to prime your answer to this next question, but as you mentioned, supporting local music. What? How'd you end up here? You were in Fort Lauderdale. That's a you know it's a, a bit of a trek away. How'd you pick the St. St. Pete, Tampa? Right? Well,
3: I used to come up and uh, and do some gigs uh, when I there were breaks in other gigs in South Florida. Kale and I would come up and play some of the beach bars and, and places like that. And so when we finally came back from uh, Scotland, uh, Gail didn't want to go back. And so we were like, we didn't want to go back home to Fort Lauderdale. So we decided to move to uh, St. Petersburg. Not that exciting, but that's, that's you know why we ended up here. And uh, But you stayed because you loved the local music scene. Well, absolutely. We did stay because there's a lot of good music. It's a great place to live as a musician. There's a lot of work for musicians just on a, a, on a basic level with all the hotels and a lot of bars and stuff opening up all the time. And when I first moved to town, there was such a huge... Uh, Pantheon of fantastic uh, musicians, you know, and bands, you know, in the area, uh, with you know, uh, Dennis Wallace and, and Rob Tyre who I got to work with, and you know, Barely Pink, and I think even, you know, when I was when I was here, uh, Dolores Telescope were just on their way hmm. out, mm-hmm. and uh, Rebecca Pulley I mean, I mean, just a bunch of bunch of great people like already here, and you're like, wow, I'm not going to play my songs around any of these people. <laughs> I've, I've gone through that. <laughs> that's, the first, that's the first yes. thing to go through your head, you know.
0: Yeah, I'll just uh, talk to them instead.
3: Yeah, <laughs> and make friends, I mean, that, and that's, you know, it's, it's been great. I mean, everybody, and actually it has been a very welcoming and, and good uh, community of, of musicians. I've not run across a single, you know, negative, you know, people. And I know there's like, you know, I have my finger on some of the uh, other people coming up in the area, you know, like uh, now, uh, like, you know, Dan Field. And, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, John's great. Yeah. And, uh, you know, my uh, uh, Honey brethren. Someday actually, Honey. Someday Honey, <laughs> yeah. Oh, someday, honey's I love those guys, you know. Mm-hmm. Kaylee and Matt Walker and Mark Cunningham Sam. and Sam Farmer. Mm-hmm. So I got them all in. I know you guys. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so there's a lot of great music, you know, still happening in the area, and a lot of good stuff. It's a really great place to be if you're a musician, I think. And I think it's a really good opportunity. I think that in the, it won't be me, but I think that in the and the not too distant future, this could really be a good happening and jumping, uh, musical spot and a scene. You know, I think it could happen.
0: Well, and I think too, it's important to note as part of this. This, the point of this podcast is talking about the songwriter who is trying to get out there and make it and whatever mm-hmm. that means for them right and mm-hmm. for some people you know measuring success being able to just play music for a living like that is success for some people mm-hmm. and Skylar who is our one of our photographers who's here right now Skylar, Woo! her and I were talking earlier and she's talking about like shooting something maybe you wouldn't otherwise shoot because it just keeps you sharp you're, you're practicing your craft well sure and and cover Gigs, although they can be brutal if you're throwing your stuff in once in a while and people aren't paying attention, they are still a great way to hone your craft. You're being you know, you're on stage, you're getting paid to do it, you get the craft. Well you down, learn a lot. You learn a lot. You know. And and to be able to do that and support yourself with music while you're trying to make it with your original music, that's important to know about a scene if you're thinking about breaking into one or picking up. I place think especially like
3: that. if you're a younger person or whatever who's who's, you know, trying to learn more about music and trying to be a good songwriter, there's nothing better than you can do than learn to play. Other great songs, you know, you learn so much and really listen to your audience. You know, I learned so much as a, uh, you know, entertainer from people going like, hey, can you do this song by Neil Young? And I'm like, well, I, I've never heard that song, but I'll give it a listen. And then you're like, holy crap, this is a fantastic song. You know, you can learn so much from listening to people, you know,
0: you can. And, and I think, too, you know, there's a you talked about the open mic nights at, at the hideaway. I remember the first time I went there and it was intimidating. There's a very high caliber of musicianship, you know, I'd say per capita that's playing there. But this area, especially now, there's all formats of getting involved with songwriting, whether it's an open mic night and that be your opportunity, or there's a lot of songwriting groups too, mm-hmm. which I think is really cool because y- you mentioned if you're a young songwriter and I think that there's a forgiving nature to somebody, it's like, ah, they're new to this, you know? <laughs> but if you're, if you're more advanced in your years and it's harder to learn things, language, instruments, whatever else, and you show up and you want to start doing it, like that can be intimidating probably. And I think but maybe you're still, you've got a unique way of seeing the world and you have a talent for lyric. You know, lyrical execution and, and songwriting at that that degree, but maybe not the music, maybe not a great guitar player. There's still an avenue mm-hmm. for you to showcase that, and people appreciate it. And I think there's a lot of communities where that's emerging more, and we definitely are starting to get that here. That is a great thing, and that
3: is you. You can't stress enough that it's important to get out there and and play music with other people. And like you say, I mean, and the, you know, you never know what you have to bring to the table until you start, you know, bellying up and and pouring it out there. So. Uh, and everybody's got something. I've I've done, you know, open mic things through my life, and I've been involved in a f- couple of little scenes like that. And there's always different levels of of skill, uh, guitar playing, or or lyric writing, or physically singing, or uh, or just songwriting ability. That all comes together to make an interesting time. You you, you might have a. Uh, you know a dude who's got a great smooth voice you know but he writes kind of simple not so good songs but you love <laughs> you love hearing it you know mm-hmm. what i mean and that's mm-hmm. a very important aspect of being an entertainer and making music and then you have you know the shy chick with the fantastic lyrics who barely sings in the microphone or whatever i mean these are all characters they're almost archetypes to some degree uh that uh you just got to throw yourself in with these people and and you're going to learn from them and they're going to learn from you it's super important i couldn't agree with you more
0: and I think the open-mindedness is such an important thing too. It should be, you know, not having preconceived <laughs> notions about what you're going to find, or um, even a musician that you find intimidating. You know, yeah. how much you can take away from them and actually end up feeling really, really motivated by them too. Once yeah. you, you know, you're accepted as somebody. Everybody started somewhere,
3: and you kind of have to just find your. As, as dumb as it sounds, you sort of have to find yourself. You have got to find your sound. You got to find out what you are, or or you have to have a vision of what you want to be, and you have to only you're going to do that as you get out and, 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 and mix it up with people.
0: Well, what's coming up for you? What do you, what, what do you got going on next? Are you looking to put another record out soon? Or? Yeah, I've got uh, about three projects I'm trying to finish up as best I can. Uh,
3: three separate uh, album ideas. And uh, I'm, I'm you know, breaking ground. I've got some stuff that's been sitting around, sort of the homespun numbers. And I'm getting back into the studio soon to do a lot of the songs that we've been doing at the hideaway over the last couple of years that have kind of you know, come to uh, life on that stage. And right. then I got a whole other set of things, too, that was you know, floating around. I, I'm writing constantly. I love to write, as I've mentioned before, a few times. And, uh, you know, so there's always songs coming out. And I'm really happy with what I'm getting done. The hard part, of course, is, is finishing them up and getting them recorded uh, and uh, before I retire. And I'll become a painter.
1: Uh, <laughs> you doing uh, stuff with George Harris still? or? What, uh, well, you... I
3: did the recording uh, of the Night Owls, Boogaloo, and Bottle Club. Uh, I did the basic tracks at, at George's. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this next time... Uh, besides the f- stuff i'm doing at home i'll be doing actually at the hideaway
1: oh good it okay. seems like the way Kelly? To go. yeah
3: and uh and i'm really looking forward to that and then i have like i said a whole bat. like you know my, my eyes are getting used to the dark uh is really sort of belongs to a whole another set of, of a whole other album basically of, of material so i'll hopefully get all done you know I'm, I'm loving playing at the hideaway and uh i'm very happy with with what is going on i'm really happy to be here this is so much fun Thanks for
0: doing and, me. Yeah, uh, yeah, thanks, Kirk. We're, We look forward yeah. to having you back once you get yep. to sure. some of those other projects uh, a little closer
3: to the surface. I appreciate that, and uh, thanks a bunch.
1: You want to take us out with another one? How about something from Undertown? We didn't talk about the Undertown album, but I, I think it's uh, <laughs> it's a Kirk-defining moment, that album. You got something well, from that one you want to?
3: Yeah, the, uh, Undertown was, uh, is sort of a, a loose theme of, uh, of the sort of underlying things that control us in a strange way. The lies and the the perceptions of things uh, are subconscious uh, uh, ghosts that push us forward and make us do things, sometimes bad things, sometimes uh, good things. Mm -hmm. But uh, the lies we tell to ourselves and the lies we tell to other people and the motivations are all kind of represented in the album a little bit. And uh, this particular song uh, is just sort of looking at the earth from a, Uh, a different perspective uh, humanity and and things that go on here on the planet and uh, how there seems to be a cyclical
2: uh,
3: or possibly more of a a helix drain sort of uh, thing happening with earth and people it's tough on planet earth and this song is called uh, business as usual
1: awesome well thanks again Kirk we appreciate it thanks so
0: much Kirk my pleasure
2: He's an old lion hunting for one final deer Gonna cost him his pride That slender neck and velvet hide He drains another beer Street lights blink on the savannah A cup cries somewhere alone The gazelle lies down on the far side of town And a dream is gone What does it mean What is it worth? It's just business as usual On planet Earth An army of ghosts, creatures of the garbage can He the satellites in the dead of night More memory than man Seeking redemption, forgotten in a haunted space In a poison oasis, a crossroad glows on a figure of eight Why does it mean, what is it worth? It's just business as usual On plan What does it mean? What is it worth? It's just business as usual. Business as usual on planet Earth.
0: listening to song divers
1: thank you for supporting us and our sponsors and all the great independent music makers out there trying to make their way in the music business these days songs we heard in this episode were hindenburg lost soul my eyes are getting used to the dark jane drawn to you business as usual and mexican wrestler we encourage you to go down the rabbit hole of all things Kirk Adams. That's spelled K I R K A D A M S. On Instagram, it's Kirk Adams Songs. His website is KirkAdamsMusic.com. You can hear and purchase his four superlative albums on KirkAdams.bandcamp.com. If you live in the Tampa Bay area or you're visiting, by all means get out to a Kirk Adams gig. He plays every week, and it's no accident that his band is composed of a revolving cast of some of the Bay's best musicians. And if you want to buy Kirk a glass of his favorite black centipede oil, I'm sure he won't complain.
3: Sure was fun. Cheers, everybody. Raise up your uh, drink of choice. Black centipede oil in my case. I just need a little more of this black centipede oil and
2: I'll
3: be fine. Hi, I'm Kirk Adams. I love ravens mm-hmm. and cats. Can you have those both at the same time? Sure you can. Because cats go after birds, don't they? Sure. That doesn't mean you can't have them. You can't have them for long. Right <laughs>
0: songdivers is a production of ybor city records and recorded in the historic kenwood district of st petersburg florida